0: This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960. It's Haley Salvian back with you this week. We had one show last week before I disappeared for a couple of days. And I'm going to be honest. It's because I refused to talk about the all-star game. I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm taking the week off. And I was graciously given that time. So instead, we're going to bring in Logan Gordon to the show and talk about the all-star game. And I'm going to mute my mic and walk mm. away for a bit. <laughs> it's not what's going to happen. It's not why I was gone. I was not a bachelorette party. So I was on the road. And as you know, Logan, as yes. listeners know, as you've listened to me on the show, I don't do much. I don't like doing things. I like to sit <laughs> on my couch with my dog. I watch a lot of hockey. You know. So I was like, "Wow, I'm not used to this much activity. I'm very tired <laughs> from the bachelorette party festivities." So
0: was it a destination How, did you Bachelorette? You have a break, Logan? No. No, it was no. it was you didn't have to go really anywhere, just out of the house.
1: <laughs> yeah. We didn't really go anywhere. Um, which made, you know, the excursion that we did make it was fun. It was nice. It's my childhood best friend. We've been friends since we were like seven years old. She's getting married in March. It was nice. But that's why I was gone. I'm just I didn't, you know, I wasn't being a diva and saying I refused to talk about the All-Star <laughs> week.
0: That's what I thought it was. I really But what did
1: you... Yeah. <laughs> Haley just dipped. She's not doing a show because she doesn't want to do it.
0: No flames, no no All-Star talk. Talk to you next week.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll see everyone <laughs> next week. I'm logging off for a couple of days. Did you get a break logo?
0: I did not. Um as, uh, okay. as usual, and, and look, this is deserving as well, uh, Pat takes All-Star break off too, so um, mm-hmm. he somehow survived the streets of Vegas for a couple days. So everybody had, to, had a little <laughs> bit more work to do here, which was fine with me. It was just okay. kind of uh, a little bit of back and forth for me. I didn't have much of a break, but no, it's all right.
1: Yeah. Did you watch the All-Star
0: game? I, I watched portions of the all-star game against better judgment and i'm Mm -hmm. gonna be honest i I hated pretty much every second of it
1: (laughs) the only thing i want to say about the all-star game because we talked about it on different days different episodes of the show and on the podcast if you listen on demand just a reminder you can listen it's apple google spotify amazon wherever you get your podcasts it's hockey central 960 on demand i i don't mind creativity and fun, different things in the breakaway contest, but nobody even took a proper hook Like, no one did a shot. No. Like, Matthew Kachuk threw the puck in from his bucket hat. And, you know, David Pasternak <laughs> tapped it, tapped the puck in <laughs> like Happy Gilmore. Ugh, like, that would be like if the dunk contest in the NBA, which is my favorite event of NBA All-Star Weekend, turned into guys like riding a tricycle and then, <laughs> you know, throwing the ball into the stands instead or something. You know, they they ride a tricycle up and then they get there on the tricycle and then they just you know, stand up and dunk the ball or something, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to do something weird and wacky on my way to the net and then I'll just dunk it instead of actually doing something cool within the dunk and showing off a skill set. I don't know. That really bothered me when I saw the highlights because I didn't watch it because I was at a <laughs> bachelorette party. Yeah. it. But I feel very passionately about the highlights that I saw.
0: It turned into more of like a, who can be the more entertaining of the all-stars rather than who can be who can show off the most skill and to me that's where it got yeah. lost was your skill is entertaining to me i am a normal talentless human being i could not <laughs> skate at an nhl goaltender and and provide even one ounce of entertainment other than me failing hilariously and probably hurting myself on the ice. You are Hilarious, the one yeah. who has done this for 20 years or 18 or whatever, 10 years if you're Connor Bedard uh, and can do wizardly things with a hockey puck and a stick. I, I don't need mm-hmm. you to wear a bucket hat. And while I loved Happy Gilmore and I love every second of the movie, David Pasternak, you're better. Like Happy Gilmore was a terrible hockey player. He stunk. He was awful. That's why he played golf. That's not someone to emulate in an all-star game. Like, like think about the process of that. Like, yeah. I actually think he took the worst fictional hockey player of all time, and that's who yeah. he chose to emulate. David Pasternak, you're an all-star. You can do incredible things. Do something cool.
1: Don't just take out a putter and do it. Exactly.
0: Like, you can do cool things. I don't need costumes. Do
1: something cool in a Happy Gilmore jersey.
0: Exactly. Don't just take out a putter. No, exactly. You don't... Maybe he
1: was just posturing to get tickets to see Adam Sandler's stand-up show.
0: I think Sandler tweeted at him. I think because it was cool. And so, I mean, hey, I would...
1: Boo. I
0: would do things to get Adam Sandler to tweet at me and maybe follow me too. But still... (laughs) The point remains, is I, I think you I think they kind of missed the point, and it became more about how can I be quote unquote entertaining, and I think they forgot yeah. that just doing what you guys normally do. Their skill do in set hockey, is entertaining, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's super boring. Adam Sandler is doing a standup show, by the way. So maybe he was just trying. I don't know if he has a Boston show, but some VIP backstage tickets
0: do. for Pasternak. Yeah, yeah. I could see that.
1: Hey, you like that move? <laughs> send me some tickets. <laughs> the Sandman, send me to send me to your Boston show.
0: The Sandman.
1: The Sandman. So <laughs> anyways, it was lame. I didn't love it. This was, you know, typically I would watch. It'll just be on. Um, and I would work it for the athletic or live blog. I didn't. I wouldn't actually get sent to the All Star Game either. It just seems like people who get to go to the All Star Game, they just get to hang out, and party, and ask about, you know, Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah, I think but, that's a, a much better plan, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Flames game from last night. Uh, Calgary loses five four in overtime to the Rangers. I thought it was a fun game to watch. Um, Obviously, the Flames make their comeback. There's lead changes, big hits, some fights, all at, you know, the iconic Madison Square Garden. We haven't really seen a game like that from the Flames this year. Like, and I thought that was something, it was nice to see, to actually watch a game and say like, okay, there could be something here. I don't want to make too much of a single game coming out of a All-Star break, but I did think, you know, maybe this could be, you know, some kind of galvanizing point. Maybe it's a jumping off point um, for the Flames to kind of take and go on a, a better run or put some consistent games together over the last 31 games of the season. What did you think of last night, Logan?
0: Yeah, I think, a lot of the same things that you just said there were kind of where I came out with it. I would have loved to have seen more of that throughout the season, to be honest, because I think a lot of those things that we've talked about, this team needing chemistry and needing to you know, become closer as a group, I think nights like that maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think you talk to most NHLers, they would say that nights like that go a long way to bringing you together as a group, and I think we saw flashes of it in that Tampa game a couple of weeks ago and we saw some of that firiness from the Flames, and we saw them, hey, I'm going to drop the gloves, or we saw Mackenzie Weger get fired up because we know he hates that group in Tampa Bay and has that that built-in rivalry, but I thought it kind of sparked the Flames last night, and I thought it has a ability to maybe do that again if that's something, if that's an emotional level that they can get to. I'm not expecting a repeat of that every night by any chance, but I would like to see more of it down the last 31 games of the season that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um some news before and we should mention we do have David Amber, uh, NHL host on Sportsnet, he's going to join the show here shortly and then Pat Steinberg, uh, DJ Powerplay is going to join the show later in the hour to talk more about the flames game. And again, David is coming up shortly before we get to David though, logo uh, a little bit of news today from around the league. Dylan cousins signs a seven year, $7.1 million AAV contract extension with the Buffalo Sabres uh, and Buffalo just continuing to be proactive about locking up their young core with early long-term contract extensions. They signed Tage Thompson and Matias Samuelson to seven year deals in the last year as well. Those are worth 50 and 30 million dollars respectively. The Thompson deal already looks great. Samuelson's already on their top defensive pair. And Cousins, who was Buffalo's seventh overall pick in 2019, he's six foot three. He's got 17 goals and 43 points in 49 games as a 21-year-old. And I think that $7.1 million AEV should become pretty reasonable as he continues to develop and as we just go through that news i believe we have david amber on the line so let's go to the atlas pizza guest hotline and talk to friend of the show david amber he's an nhl host on sportsnet host of rogers monday night hockey would have seen and heard him last night david how are you hello hey david you got us
2: Oh, I got you now. I, I heard it, and then I didn't hear you, but I got you. How
1: you doing? All right. I'm doing well. How are you? Good,
2: good.
1: So we were just talking about the Dylan Cousins contract extension uh, when we brought you in here, seven years, $7.1 million AAV. Maybe we can start there with you, David. Do you think this has the potential to look like as good a deal as the Tage Thompson one is looking right now, as the Sabers continue, you know, this early, good, long-term extension work with their rebuild?
2: Yeah, it's a tall, it's a tall order because the Tage Thompson deal might be the best value deal right now in the NHL. Period. But it certainly has the makings of saying to the Sabres fans and saying to the Sabres players and really any potential free agent, you know, if you're interested in coming here, we have a strong nucleus. We have a, a group that's not going anywhere. We're going to have stability, uh, you know, through the ranks. And, you know, if I'm a, if I'm an interested free agent and I'm looking and I go, Cage Thompson locked down, you know, Owen power and Darlene, these two studs on blue line who they're going to lock down Uh, And now you've got Dylan Cousins in tow. It's a pretty nice group that they're they're managing there in Buffalo. And, um, you know, I think that there's value in that. And, um, you know, Dylan Cousins has shown brilliance at times and certainly is a player that they selected high and they have high aspirations for. So I think it's a really good signing. I think, you know, Kevin Adams has hit a, a few home runs at this point in his young GM career, and this looks like this could be another bona fide uh, good deal for him.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you had two games last night, David, Flames Rangers Mm -hmm. and Canucks Devils. Got to start with the Flames game. Uh, Logan Gordon and I were talking about it a little bit off the top, uh, and we were getting into the All-Star festivities as well, and and I know that you were there. Uh, but we can, we can table that, I think, Logan and I. Uh, unless, you know, you want to talk about meeting. I think you met Elfie from White Lotus. But we can, uh,
2: <laughs> we can... Yeah, we can go anywhere. Listen, Haley I'm open book. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm good to go.
1: All right, well, let's, let's stick with the Flames-Rangers game first from last night, David, because that was uh, getting pretty rave reviews as maybe one of the most fun games of the season so far. What did you think while you were watching it?
2: Yeah, it's funny. We went into the All-Star break kind of in a slumber. The games were kind of looking – one was looking the same as the next, and the teams looked like they were on vacation a few days before the break. And we come out of the break, and it was like the playoffs started. I mean, that was as intense and as passionate and as you know nasty a game as we've seen all year. And, you know, I don't think it's something you're going to see on a night-to-night basis, and maybe we shouldn't see it on a night-to-night basis because – you know, that, that is a really tough expectation to have. But to have that sort of unexpectedly, and I don't know what, you know, I don't know what happened to Jacob Truba on the break, but maybe he was in a bad mood. But he was <laughs> he was leaving no one behind, like any – first of all, I mean, you, you saw the plays. I mean, those were beautiful, clean hits, and the guys both turned into the tracks, essentially, which wasn't the right move, uh, stopped and, and actually went right into Truba. But – um, it, it was it was just phenomenal. It was just such an intense game. It had a bit of everything. There was the nastiness, the, the hits, the fights. There were some great saves and some incredible goals. And it went to overtime. There were some great comebacks. No lead was safe. Uh, it was you know it was a great game. And honestly, I, I know the Flames only got a point out of it, but I think they could feel pretty good. They stuck together. They stuck up for one another. Uh, three times on the road against a very good Ranger team, they fought back from one goal deficits. I know at the end of the day it goes down as a loss, but this could be one of those character-building uh, games that the Flames will look back at that help galvanize their team and maybe set them going in a better direction in the last stretch of the season.
1: And I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I said a similar thing off the top of the show when I was talking to Logan, and I was saying, you know, I don't want to make – too big of a deal out of a single game from the all-star break but we really hadn't seen a game like that from the flames and I do think you know what they showed in that game in terms of the comeback and standing up for each other regardless if you agree with Chris Tanev coming back from injury and then dropping the gloves in that same game I think there's things you can take away from that and say, okay, maybe this could be the springboard, a very late one per se, but a springboard that they could use to have a more consistent and successful final 31 games of the season um, because they entered this kind of final stretch coming out of all star on the outside looking into the playoff race and that's the kind of game you probably wanted to see from the calgary flames knowing that they've got a bit of an uphill battle to to get themselves comfortably into the playoffs
2: absolutely and i think again i think the flames it's incumbent on them to get their identity back and their identity last year was as a a hard-nosed team to play against with a lot of high-end skill that can kill you and you know this year i'm not sure what their identity has been it just it hasn't been consistent it hasn't been dynamic And they need to get that back. And even though it's going to go down as Jacob Markstrom letting in five goals, I thought he played pretty well, to be honest with you. And that is the key. You know, I asked Anson Carter and and Kathy Campbell-Pascal and Keith Yandel sort of, you know, what do the Flames need to do to to sort of solidify their team? And the very first answer, uh, and the most concrete answer that Anson gave really was, i mean that's the biggest difference between this year and last year and i think some of the defensive play in front of jacob markstrom hasn't been as stout as it was last year either but if this team to start feeling good about itself and this is a really important month for them right they have this four game road trip i think they have seven of eleven on the road in february um you know on march 1st they want to be sitting in a playoff position and they want teams to be chasing them you know, you don't want to get into panic mode where you look and you've got, you know, 16, 17 games left and you got to climb past two teams. You just don't want to be in that situation. So it's incumbent on the team to rack up as many points as they can right now, especially when they're playing lesser teams. You know, they have some teams coming up in the schedule that are beatable teams, and they've got to take advantage of that.
1: Now, what did you make of Jacob Truba's hits last night? I, I think there's a lot of people who... Really appreciate the way that he plays the game and toes that line because you don't necessarily see guys playing that way in 2023, you know, this season. He's, he's a bit of a unicorn in that sense. Um, but I know there's also some, some people in the text line, some people on social media who are like, did he leave his feet there? Is that legal? Um, you know, where were concussion spotters? Like, where do you land when you watch Jacob Truba laying the hits that he did? Um, not just last night, but but so far this season? Because it's definitely been been a mark of his game, is, is his physicality.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Listen, I think he's been on that line. I think he's passed that line and crossed it before. I don't think last night was one of those nights. I thought those were two legal and beautiful hits. And quite frankly, you know, you mentioned being in court, and it is a bit of a throwback. We don't see players throw those types of hits, and that's probably why uh, who wasn't the first one, Dubé. It's probably why yes. Dubé and why Kadri cut back, because the average defenseman is either stick-checking or retreating. And Truba's like, screw that. You're going you're gonna to step back and then cross the middle, and I'm going to take you down. And they were mm-hmm. two really thunderous hits. I'll, I'll still never really be a fan of this notion of a guy leave, leave, lends a, a clean hit on your teammate and you've got to go in and fight him. I, I just, I don't really get that. And, you know, i talk to players and I, there's, you know, different schools on it. Um, we're going to talk about that on our show at 4.30 Central Time. Sorry, 4.30 uh, Mountain Time today, Hockey Central. Actually, it's 5 o'clock today. So it's 5 o'clock time <laughs> Mountain Time. I'm screwing that up a lot. It's 5 o'clock Mountain Time. <laughs>
1: That's <okay>. And uh, so <laughs>
2: we're doing a pregame for the Oilers game on Hockey Central. I know Jamal Mayers is not a big fan of I'm having to go fight guys because they laid a clean head. He just thinks it's silly and I agree with him, but I've talked to other players who said, no, what it's essentially sending is a message that, you know, you hit one of my teammates clean or not, you're going to pay a price. And it's sort of an intimidation factor. And we certainly don't see it as much in, um, today's game. You just don't see a ton of thunderous hits, but look at the guys who got into fights yesterday, right? Like, Chris Hannah coming right off an injury, as he stepped in on Truba, and then, and then Dubé, who obviously that's not his role at all, stepped in and fought. So um, every single guy seems to buy into that notion of if you hit one of my teammates with a thunderous hit, we're gonna, you know, you're going to you're gonna have to answer the bell, essentially. But I had no problem with the hits. I, I thought they were you know, absolutely textbook. Uh, and Jacob Truba does have a history. He has crossed that line, but I didn't think last night there was anything uh, untoward at all with what he did
1: we heard from Nazim Kadriya on Dubai fighting for him and, and you know he said essentially you know he's earned my respect for that i loved it i told him i would do the same thing for him so it definitely seems like a i've got your back kind of move maybe not necessarily Dubay saying that's a dirty hit you know you're going to pay for that but maybe it's just hey like you can you can make that hit but you're not going to you're not going to walk you're just not going to skate away from it even though jacob truba did win the fight but it's the it's the thought that counts there i think with with that kind of absolutely. thing
2: absolutely you know what and it takes bravery to step into a fight that you know you, you know you're outclassed you're outmanned you're, you're you're not in your weight class you're doing something that the other guy is very comfortable doing and it's you're uncomfortable doing it so i i applaud the notion of it but at the same time i don't you know i'm still trying to get my head around the idea that this is this is the culture of the game where if you hit a guy, you have to be prepared to fight right away. Just, you know, just as someone a bit older, it just, it, it wasn't the case necessarily 20 years ago. And there was a lot more hits. So maybe that was just a part more regular part of the game. Um, but you know, all Samuelson and Darius Kasperitis, and there's a whole school of guys who laid out some huge, huge hits who weren't necessarily going to, you know, go and drop the gloves after every time they hit a guy. So, um, Again, I thought it was a really good performance by the Flames. I think that was one of the most exciting games of the year, and I think that's something, you know, if they can build around it, that would be uh, sensational. I guess the rest of this road trip, we'll see if there is a bit of momentum from that.
1: We're talking to David Amber, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey, host of Hockey Central, and, and lots of NHL programming here on Sportsnet, on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. One of the other games on Monday Night Hockey last night, David, was that Canucks-Devils game. Uh, we got a first look at the Canucks without Bo Horvat. Excuse me, they lose to the Devils in OT. Big game from Jack Hughes, Doggy Hamilton, Vitek Vanacek. Looked pretty good as well. How do we feel about the New Jersey Devils now, David? Are, are we starting to, to come around on, on believing that this is a team who could make some noise when it matters most?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll I'll admit I was a a bit of a doubter. I I watched a fair bit of them early in the season, and I just thought smoke and mirrors isn't the right thing, but I kind of thought, okay, some of this magic might wear off. But, um, you know, Vanacek has proven to be a very strong goaltender, and they're very comfortable playing an up-and-down style. They're a very tough team once they have the lead. They seem very comfortable in close games. They win a lot of games in overtime like they did last night. You know, they have a bird Star and Jack Hughes. They have a pretty solid blue line, one to six. I, you know, they've got a lot of the requisite checklist things you look for in a team. And they've got a little bit of that Vegas 2018, you know, we're going to come at you in waves. We're going to state you into the ground. You know, we have these guys who maybe aren't household names, but Jesper Brats in the world, but we have guys that are very comfortable with high skill that you might not know right now, but you're going to know them. So, they do seem to have a bit of that bravado as well. So you really have to like, you know, what you think and or what you see. And, and you have to think this is a legitimate playoff team. You know, you will know, probably go into whatever series, no matter who they're playing as the underdog. And, and rightfully so because of the lack of experience generally on that team. Um, but having said that, they're, they're going to be a tough outcome playoff time because of the style they play and, and the fact that they're comfortable winning in a variety of different ways.
1: There's seven games on the, six games, I believe. Sorry, David, on the schedule tonight. I've personally circled the Colorado Pittsburgh matchup. The Avs won seven of eight heading into the All-Star break. They're starting to roll a little bit. Uh, Penguins still looking pretty inconsistent. We heard from GM Ron Hextall the other day about how they have had that inconsistency. What do you make of, of this matchup? Is that one that, uh, is kind of circled for you?
2: Well, it's important, right? Both teams are hovering on the playoff line, and Pittsburgh's really been reeling. I think, you know, Ron Axel said it best. They just haven't been consistent. They haven't been nearly as dynamic. And goaltending's been an issue for them. Tristan Jari, when healthy, is great, but it's the when healthy part. Uh, And he's hurt again. And I'm not sure if he's, uh, you know, what his status is, but from what I saw, uh, based on my, you know, sort of pregame preparation, it looks like Casey DeSmith is back in that, and he hasn't been... Spectacular by any means. So I think that's part of the issue. Um, you know, Pittsburgh at times has looked old to me. Uh, and they're certainly not going to get any sympathy from Colorado because no team this year has suffered more consequential injuries, I would think, than the, than the defending champs. And somehow they're now finally getting healthy. It sounds like Bo Byron's back tonight. And, uh, you know, kushkin has been in and out of the lineup and they're still waiting for their captain, Landis card to reemerge. He hasn't played yet this season. But uh, they look very good. The Avalanche look like they're getting their mojo back. Uh, it was at All-Star weekend, as you mentioned. I had a chance to talk to Nico Rantanen and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, and they are getting their swagger back, and I think they're feeling pretty good about things. And I think they're almost taking a page out of the Tampa Bay Lightning book. Um, and it wasn't probably by design, but the injuries forced them to, to do that, where it's like, you know, we just got to make the playoffs. Once we make the playoffs, mm-hmm. we don't care if we're the, you know, the last seed or the, or, the, or the president trophy winners, um, because we're going to be a, a very difficult opponent for whoever we play. So I think they've sort of righted the ship. They've gotten healthy, and, you know, McKinnon's looking all-world. And quite frankly, Ranton has been their MVP this year. He's been healthy. He's put up 34 goals. And, you know, seeing him up close, my goodness, I was, I was hosting, or not hosting, but I was doing interviews at that dunk tank competition. Um, you know, that's have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Rantanen is a massive, massive man, like big, six four yeah. and wide. <laughs> so I mean, he's got all the skill you can ask for and all the size to equal it. So um, you know, he's a formidable person on the ice, and and they're a formidable team. So this is important for both those teams tonight, and it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: And Rantanen has absolutely been the Avalanche MVP this season. I know when, when Kale McCarr got the first slot in the All-Star Game, even he kind of came out and said, like, it should be, Miko Randon should be there, not me. He's been our best player, most valuable player with all these injuries we've been facing. And obviously he ends up at the All-Star Game after being voted in to the Pacific team. But he's just had a monster season. I mean, before we let you go, David, was there any other takeaways or, or things that you learned that you thought were particularly interesting or important while you were at the all star Game.
2: Well, as you mentioned, I, I met the uh, actor uh, Adam demarco who played Albie. And uh, if you've watched White Lotus, are you a White Lotus person? Have you seen the show? Do you see it?
1: Yes, I, I did watch both seasons. <laughs> okay. I' am big okay. fan. Yes.
2: So, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny we, we we crossed each other at, the, at a party, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know we're grilling them about all you know, like what happened here, <laughs> what happened there, and we're asking them all the questions. You give the inside scoop, but. Of uh, what uh, filming that show was like, so that was kind of fun. That was our personal highlight, I guess. if nothing else. Um, and he's a huge hockey fan, by the way, absolutely huge. He grew up in Oakville, Ontario. So he actually played against John Tavares at a uh, much earlier age. He was playing AAA hockey when when John Tavares was, you know, earning that exceptional status, uh, you know, uh, stature, um, and playing up a year he was playing against uh albie's team out of oakville so it's funny so he had some good hockey stories and then he shared some good hollywood stories which is fun for us and um you know but as far as the, the whole weekend goes I, I think we're all in agreement like it's a good showcase uh for young fans and it's a good place for the sponsors to go and brush elbows with the, you know the executives and the nhl staff and it's fun for the players to be decompress it's not always a perfect viewing experience and for the hockey traditionalists, like we look at last night's game with the Flames and Rangers, I mean, you're not going to get that. They get that kind of level of passion or intensity, but I do applaud the NHL for trying to you know, make it specific to the location and try and keep as much fan interest as possible. And it's, you know, it's a work in progress. Next year in Toronto, I'm sure it'll have a very different feeling than this year in, in Fort Lauderdale, but um, I think it'll be great. I think they'll be able to you know, bring out more celebrities, Bring out more alumni, and it'll, it'll have a different feel. And, and you know, the NHL's got to keep tweaking it to make it as fan-friendly and experience as possible.
1: All right, well, great stuff, David. Uh, we'll let you go, and know you got a lot of games uh, coming up tonight. So, thank you so much for the time.
2: Kelly, thanks so much. Uh, I enjoyed being on the show. Talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. There, there goes David Amber. He's host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey and uh nhl programming here on sportsnet there he was on the guest hotline and the guest hotline is brought to you by atlas pizza and sports bar using the same secret recipe since 1975 you can dine in at 6060 memorial drive northeast takeout or delivery also available at 403-248-3344 and coming up next, we're going to have our weekly Pat chat with Pat Steinberg. We're going to get more into that Flames game from last night. Calgary loses 5-4 to four in overtime to the New York Rangers. And look ahead at some things uh, that the Flames need to maybe improve on through the final 31 games of the season. That's coming up next on Hockey Central here on Sports at 960 The Fan.
0: You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: All right, welcome back to Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960. Thank you to David Amber for joining us in the first segment He talked a little bit about White Lotus, the All-Star game, the Dylan Cousins contract extension. Again, if you missed that news, seven years with a $7.1 million AAV. Kind of wonder how that might set the bar for a potential extension for somebody like Cole Caulfield. Something to keep in mind. There's some RFAs whose agents might be circling this Dylan Cousins contract and saying, yep. That, um, that makes sense. That sets the market for us, but we're also just going to get more into the Calgary flames right back on the Atlas pizza guest hotline because it's time for the weekly Pat chat with Pat Steinberg. We didn't have a conversation last week because I only had one show last week because I did take some time off. He took some time off as well. Pat, I hear you survived the streets of Vegas and you're back. Yes. How are you?
3: I'm good. Hi, friend. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are Vegas you? Vegas was
3: fun. I, uh, yeah. I got back from Vegas and then a day later got deathly ill for about seventy-two oh, no. hours and still, I got i, I, I uh, was—I—I do not think I've ever been that sick in my life. So, I'm—I'm um, mm. uh, I'm happy to not be that sick anymore.
1: One of the girls at the Bachelorette week slash weekend, got very, very sick and ended up having to leave. So I'm kind of just crossing my fingers every day that I don't get hit with whatever bug she had. So if I don't have a show, where, uh, that's why. Where was
3: where was the Bachelorette?
1: We went out to Collingwood. Oh, it yeah. Like,
3: Collingwood. Definitely know where yeah. that is. Yeah. for sure.
1: It's like Blue Mountain, Ontario. Like, oh, you know, okay. ski then, slopes then do, and there's a spa. That yeah. It's Neap. like incredibly mid-Ontario version of Canmore. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. It was. It was great. Happy to celebrate my childhood friend. But we don't. We don't want to talk about that any longer here, because I've prepared some yeah, flames he, topics to discuss with you. I don't, I don't want you to be ill prepared or anything like that. Yeah. Last, I want to start with the game last night, though, Pat, because it was a fun one. Uh, the reviews, the early reviews were were pretty solid. Lots of people saying that might have been the most fun game of the season so far. Not just a Flames game, but just a game that people have watched in the NHL this year. A lot of it probably has to do with Jacob Truba just being a, a wrecking ball throughout that game. But but it was a good one. I mean, the Flames, there was, you know, a good comeback. There were the hits. There were some fights Uh, obviously they end up losing 5-4 in OT, but what did you think of last night, Pat?
3: Well, I thought it was, uh, from, from a Flames perspective, I thought it was most entertaining game of the year. Haven't really had one like that this year. Like none of the 3 Oilers games had anything like that type of emotion. And we've seen Oilers games between the Flames and Oilers that that have, like we've seen Battle of Alberta games rather that have had that type of emotion, just not this year. So, yeah, it was fun. And I I, I don't think I think what what was so cool about it was that I don't think anybody saw it coming. Like you, I, I think you're going into that game saying, "Oh, both teams coming off their All Star break." and both teams probably going to be a little sloppy is there going to be a lot of intensity and next thing you know it didn't take very long like it was first period we were seeing all these things and and Truba lays out Dylan Dubé in the first period and, and that just kind of set the and I already thought there was a little bit of juice in the game and it, it felt like there was uh, intensity right from the get go and then that, that hit by Truba that caught Dylan Dubé over the middle as he was exiting the zone. I think it just kind of kicked things into a, into a different level, and and from that point forward, that game was kind of on tilt all night. You had the blaze hit on Lucic. I think there was some frustration, especially on the Flame side of things, and there was some frustration when it comes to some of the penalties that were called. You know, Tanev getting the the extra roughing call. I I I guess you can uh, squint and justify it if you if you really want to, but I didn't know if necessarily there needed to be um, the extra roughing call there because, yes... Tanev went over and gave a hey how are you to to Truba, but then Truba dropped the gloves, and so I think he probably could have just canceled that one out. Um, and the, you had the Sammy Blaze situation, and that one got tempers flaring, and, and then you had you know Lucic walking Blaze to the penalty box and kind of chirping at him. Then all of a sudden, Blaze doesn't take a penalty, and then Lucic has taken a penalty, and then obviously the the biggest one was the the Truba hit on Kadri. But yeah, you, you had a little bit of everything. I I, I and I I honestly. Didn't have a problem with anything at all last night. I thought that the, especially on replay even watching the Blaze hit, uh, it, it was not a principal hit to the head. Um, both Truba hits were as clean as they come, and so I, I didn't really have a problem with any of, of the, the physicality, and then I didn't have a problem with the way the Flames responded. I, I like the way, even though I know there is, I know there can be some frustration, and I get that frustration as well with big hit, doesn't matter if it's clean or dirty, automatically player who throws hit must fight. And and I get tired of that, but I think when you're a guy like Truba and you have developed a reputation for yourself, I, I think it. I, th- I think it's a little bit different because when you're a player on the ice, you don't know, you don't know if the hit is clean or not. You don't have the advent of a wide angle. You don't have the advent of a replay. So you mm-hmm. see a hit at a million miles a minute and you see that it's the captain of the Rangers who lays it. I think your automatic first response is let's go and let's go and give him a, a, a little bit of a response. And so both of them were big hits and, and absolutely clean hits, but a lot of the other hits that Truba has laid throughout the last couple of years have been borderline. And, and Lou said it last right. night. Uh, Lombardi said, you know, he's developed a, a reputation and, and rightfully so, fairly so, of being a borderline predatory player. So, and, and I'm not saying he is, but I think that there's he's starting to move into that territory. So when you, when you have that guy lay two big hits, I think it's natural that you just go and, and get after him. So I, I didn't have a problem with any of it. I think it was a game that... Brought the the flames a little bit closer together, which is something that I think could be really big with a group that's still learning and getting to know one another and all that type of stuff. Uh, I like the way that they responded on the ice and kept on erasing one goal leads, uh, and they got the single point out of it in, in what was a, a really fun sixty one minutes and thirty seven seconds or whatever it ended up being. So um, I I don't think Thursday's game in Detroit's going to be the the same type of intensity, <laughs> but you don't get those games very often. They only happen a few times a year. So when you get them, you you remember them, and the atmosphere at Madison Square Garden was awesome. It was just a, it was a really fun Monday night, and a good way to come out of a out of a, an All Star
1: break. Yeah, I think you know David Amber was on before you, Pat, in the first segment. and I think things were feeling a little bit snoozy, maybe a bit stale pre All Star break, not just with the Flames, but with with other teams kind of just oh gosh like we're right in that hurry up and wait segment of the season then we come right back from the all-star break and, and the all-star game we have a game like that and and it was it was a fun one and even Nazem Kadri was asked about the hit it looks like and he said it was a good hit you know I you know i took it dusted myself off got right back up and and kept going you know that those were those were clean hard hockey hits by jacob truba but he definitely does toe the line and cross it at times uh, one of the other things from the game last night pat the power play units were interesting and I know and we can talk about this a little bit as well and I know you had a story come out on Flames Nation about three things the Flames need to focus and improve on in their final 32 games of the season 31 games now after last night one of them was the power play and we did see some different units last night Uh, at one point it looked like we had Caudry, Pelletier, Huberto, Mangiapane, Hannifin on one unit, and then a second unit with Backlund, Lindholm, Tofoli, Anderson, and Dubé. Did you like that? Do you think that could maybe be, like, playing with the personnel in that way, shaking it up a little bit, is that maybe the answer? Like, what did you think of the power play units last night and, uh, you know, potentially another way that the Flames could fix their special teams, at least when we're talking about the power play?
3: Yeah, I uh I, I was I was not expecting that because we really we've seen some tweaks on the the number two unit this year, but we have not seen them on the number one unit. Like pretty much from day one of the regular season, Tyler Toffoli, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdeau, Elias Lindholm, and Rasmus Anderson have, have been that power play one unit, and and to varying levels of success. They had stretches where they were extremely dangerous, and you know they've had more stretches of late where there's been it, it, it seemed a little bit more I don't know lax or There's been more malaise or whatever. It's just it has not been a really exciting or high-tempo or dangerous-feeling power play, especially that number one unit where, all, where, where the highest concentration of talent is. Uh, it hasn't felt very dangerous for a little while. So they come out of the break, and they shake things up, and I, I thought it was interesting um, because that's a, that's a full-on just – that's a power play philosophy that mirrors their five on five philosophy, which is dispersing and spreading out because they don't have that um, that that top heavy one or two guys. You know, like y- y- you think about some of the other power plays in the league, and and you know, there's for instance, even even last night in the Rangers, you know that Fox, you know that Zibanejad, uh, you know that Panarin, and you know that Kreider. Like those are four absolute mainstays of the New York Rangers power play. Kreider's your net front guy. He's a 50 goal scorer in this league, and Jad's a guy that's good for 30 to 40 every single year. Might be the most dynamic player on the team, and if he's not, Panarin is, and and Panarin's as gifted a playmaker as there is. And you've got Adam Fox, a Norris Trophy winner. Like these guys are just mains. You're always going to have those guys on a number one power play unit, or Edmonton, or Tampa Bay, or like there, there are there are teams that you know even when. Even when the power play isn't going very well, you know the guys that are going to be out there first over the boards as soon as you go in for that offensive zone faceoff whereas with the flames they are a little bit more spread out and and that's been their 5 on 5 philosophy they're not a top heavy team and so they're employing that or at least they did last night they employed that on the power play now i'm really curious to see how long that lasts for it kind of feels like that's a, a a reset situation that's one of you know sometimes when a team has very set 5 on 5 lines for a long period of time and then it goes stale you switch them up for seven or eight games and then you go back to what you know what works and sometimes that reset and sometimes getting away from the routine can be important or, or can be helpful to kickstart things. So I wonder if that's what's not going on here with the power play and, and if in the next few games we see these power play units the way they are, but at some point down the stretch we see that number one power play put back together. That's kind of what my my gut feels, uh, because I do think that those five guys that they have employed prior to last night on the, the first power play unit are the right five guys I think those are the five best guys to have out there and to comprise the the units that, that's gonna get 80 or 90 seconds of the power play so I'm curious how long they last for I don't mind them switching them up I, I think it was time and and I think a little bit of a shot in the arm and a little bit of a shake-up is important what I'm curious about is just how long it lasts for how long that's a thing for.
1: One of the interesting parts, obviously, is Jacob Peltier. He played almost three minutes on the power play last night, little over 14 yeah. in the game. He's got five games under his belt so far, still zero points, um, but he's playing a little bit more over the last three games, between 14, 15 minutes in his last three games. With the Flames, we saw Dennis Gilbert has been assigned to the Wranglers. It uh, looks like Jacob Peltier remains with the Calgary Flames have you liked the way that he's been progressing in his last couple games here i know we have the break in between but over these kind of this five game sample size do you like what Peltier's bringing especially now that he's been moved up in a top 6 position
3: yeah i've i've uh, i've really enjoyed what i've seen from him and all all he can continue to do is earn that next that next game, so he's got five games under his belt now, and all you can do is is earn your next opportunity. When you're a guy that's not a full time NHLer yet, uh, and and a guy who is is not solidified in this league as of yet, all you can do is keep getting yourself that next game. And I think that Pelche done a nice job of being able to do that. And and I like look, he's not he has not had perfect games, but he's looked very much in at least in my opinion, and 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 maybe others aren't quite there and that's fine but in in my opinion he's he's looked like through 5 games that the league is not is is not too much for him. It doesn't look like he's over his head at this level. He's not, he's not a dominant player by any stretch, but he looks like he belongs and, and he's been an effective player. He's been a guy that, that has helped the group. And more often than not, when he's out there, you know, the, the things are going the right way for the flames and he's around the puck in good situations and he helps the team accomplish what they want to do on any given shift. And, and you know, away from the puck, I think he's been a whole lot better than you might expect for a guy who has next to no NHL experience in his own zone. I've liked uh, his poise and, and confidence with the puck and, and his vision and his patience to, to make sure that they can exit the zone clean and there's no panic in that regard. And then at the other end of the ice, like he's he's been an impact maker. You know, if you go take a look at the way that he has been around the puck uh, since, he has, since he's gotten to the Flames, he's creating scoring chances. In fact, in uh, nobody has, and again, it's a small sample size, it's only five games compared to other guys who have 50 games under their belt, but nobody has created slot opportunities or nobody has had more slot opportunities on their stick than Jacob Pelche has when it comes to the rate that he's doing it for the, the time on ice he's been given. He's He's been very, very efficient and effective when he's been out there. So I think he should be right back in Thursday against Detroit. I think you keep him on that line with Kadri, Kadri and, and, and Huberdeau, and I just think you keep on giving Pelche the opportunity to earn that next game. He reminds me so much. Now, having seen him, we, we were talking about this before he played, now having seen him play in the NHL, he reminds me so much of Andrew Mangiapane. So much of Andrew Mangiapane. Right. Early in his NHL career, so much of Andrew Mangiapane. Now, like, I just think there are so many similarities with those players, the, the way they work, the way that when they are working and doing so effectively, the puck seems to follow them around and the way that they don't do anything necessarily spectacular, but they're effective and and they're tenacious and that work ethic is always at a 10 out of 10. And that's exactly what we've seen from Pelche so far. So good on him. I know he doesn't have any points, but go take a look at Andrew Mangiapane's first little while in the NHL. It took a long time for the offense to start to follow the work. His first 10 games, uh, when he had kind of his first cup of coffee or cameo in the NHL, he had no points. You're like, oh, he's doing all this work, but when are the points going to come? Well, they don't have to... As long as you're being an effective player and as long as you're helping the team move in the right direction, then then I don't think you have to worry too much about the points. At some point, you'd like it to happen, but you know, if, if he's up for 15 games here and only has one or two points, that doesn't mean it's a failure... And and I do think the more that he plays in this league, the more confidence he's gonna have in in creating things and the more those points are gonna come. So I, I five games, every single one of them, I'd give him the green check mark on, uh, and then get him that next game. So I hope he's into game six on uh on Thursday in Detroit.
1: And and we know that Daryl Sutter doesn't necessarily just look at productions and goals and points as the measure of a player playing well. We know that that's not what he looks like, but you're right. It'll need to come eventually, but doesn't mean that he's not, you know, doing well and and playing the right way just because the stat line's not showing anything in goals, assists or points. Uh, We're out of time, Pat, but if you want to check out uh, Pat's story on flames nation, three areas of development for the flames after the all-star break, we touched on the power play, There's two more in there, so you can check that out on flamesnation.ca if you're interested. Thanks, Pat. I always appreciate you coming on. Bye, friend. (laughs) Bye. There goes Pat Steinberg on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline in our weekly Pat chat. And that's all the time, as mentioned, we have for today on Hockey Central on Sports at 960. We'll be back on Wednesday for another show and then... Not until Thursday will we have a game day edition of the show. We will talk to everyone tomorrow on Sports at 960 The Fan.